This is Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, the podcast that talks direct with retailers about all things loss prevention, with your host, Nicole Smith. Did you know that the Profit Protection Future Forum is the only not-for-profit industry body promoting the interests of retail loss prevention professionals in Australia and New Zealand? Hi there and welcome to the show. On today's episode, I'm joined by Glenn Forrester, National Loss Prevention Manager at Foodstuffs in New Zealand, Mark Boyd, Head of Profit Protection at Next Death Leisure, and Mark Gentle, Vice President of ASEAN from Checkpoint Systems. All of our guests are on the steering committee for the PPFF, so it's great to talk to you all again and thanks for your time today, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to see retailers finally starting to open up their stores and start trading again. And I think retail's done an incredible job adapting through a really difficult time, which I don't think any of us would have thought we'd see in our lifetime. But I guess it's soon it's, it's back to business. And I think inevitably we will see more changes, especially until we work out what that new normal is or what the, the new normal will be. So today I want to take a look at the big picture and we might have a look into the glass ball to predict what's going to happen in our economies. Will stimulus packages get people spending their money and how will that impact shrinkage in retail? So my question to you all is how do you manage retail theft in a potential economic downfall? So I'll start with you, Mark um, Boyd. As your brands have stayed open during COVID-19, did you experience an increase in theft during this time? Um, yes and no. Uh, what we saw was an, an increase in uh, threatening um, behaviour, uh, not necessarily theft. Um, what it was, um, our stores, um, you know, what, what you found was obviously most people um, stayed to the rules and stayed in and didn't go out. And then you've got an element of people that just ignored that. Um, and those people that, that didn't take the government advice or that ignored that came into stores. And because in most malls, we were the only store open apart from the um, uh, the, the, the supermarkets. Um, and, and, and they caused some problems around threatening behaviour, um, mostly towards towards managers. So we saw an increase of that. Some of it was localised to certain areas, um, in Victoria mostly. Um, we did see a little bit of that in New South Wales, but predominantly most of our incidents occurred for, in um, in Victoria. We, we did see some runouts of theft of product, um, but mostly we saw a, a sharp or marked increase in threatening and violent behaviour. What about you, Glenn? What happened in uh, New Zealand? Yeah, look, very similar to, to what Mark's reported. Um, in terms of theft, I wouldn't say that we saw an increase, um, especially early days. Um, sort of as we were finding our way, we also found that our customers were finding the way in store um, and, and definitely um, didn't see, see any, any increase in numbers in terms of that. We saw the, the isolated incidents of, of abuse and, and, um, and verbal abuse and physical aggression and, and threatening behaviour. Um, that's tend to have increased. As, as times progress, so um, people seem to be getting more and more frustrated with the, the restrictions that are in place. Um, a lot of that abuse was stemmed from the, the restrictions that were in, in, in place, so the, the queuing um, and then the, the two-metre sort of social distancing that was in play in stores. So um, 
look, I wouldn't say that it was the that everybody was behaving that way. Look, it was only a very very small few, um, but unfortunately, you know, they did um, did cause some trouble. Um, what I will say is the the police response to those types of incidents that they normally wouldn't respond to was was fantastic, um, and they really have made an example of some people um, that have offended in that manner. That's good. Mark Boyd, have you had the same with the Australian police? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I guess where we've called them, um, that they've been very responsive um, and very helpful. Um, and we've had them in certain malls, um, you know, in groups of two or three patrolling the malls um, and really supporting, I guess, the, the shopping centres um, as well. So, yeah, we've had some reasonably good, um, uh, good good cooperation from the police and, and much better than I actually thought it would be, to be fair. Um, but, um, and, you know, we've had them in sort of counting people in stores and things like that as well. So the, the police have been very, very, very helpful, I think. That's good to hear. I know I was out at uh, one of the shopping centres a couple of weeks ago and um, in a store and they anecdotally told me that they'd had a really busy Saturday trade and they couldn't manage the social distancing themselves. So luckily the police had come in and helped them, which was fantastic because the police had been patrolling throughout the shopping centre. So that's good to hear that it's sort of you've seen it across the board and across the country. Mark Gentle, I want to talk to you about um, what history tells us. So generally speaking, we hear that high unemployment can lead to an increase in theft and in particular organised retail crime. And we haven't seen obviously too much of organised retail crime during the last sort of six to eight weeks. How do you think that's going to impact um, as we come out of restrictions and go back into trading? Well, I think I think there's a there's a couple of things to, to consider here. Is the we're in um, I guess you know uncharted waters. Is that the governments around the world have have viewed this as a health crisis, and to protect the citizens, they've they've had no choice but to shut um, economies down. Um, but by shutting the economies down, we've seen a, a surge of unemployment across the globe, and some of the some of the stats are, are quite incredible. So, if you take the US and their unemployment rates are running, um, getting close to thirty million people, um, they're also reporting in the US that theft has increased with stores that have remained open. Um, some retailers have, have estimated nearly close to seventy five percent increase. But that also has to have um, a direct effect on what supports put in place if people are are losing their jobs. So I, I think it's a little bit too early to tell um, what will happen because of COVID here in Australia or New Zealand. But history does tell us that when we have an economic downturn and the economy is up and under pressure, then we do see a rise in theft, particularly in retail. Yeah, I was on a, a webinar a couple of nights ago and they were saying um, in the US they found after 9-11 and the 2008 last economic downfall that they had a huge problem with organised retail crime, um, yeah, that- mainly because people were scared. There was a whole lot of fear there, obviously, and people had lost their jobs um, and 9-11 was definitely the fear side of it, though. Yeah, I was talking. I was, I was talking with some of the team in in India, and if you think of the the Indian pop, populace, there's millions of people who live day to day, 
and the government's now shut down for, um, until about the 18th of May, um, or at least another couple of weeks. And they're, they're so worried that when things do open up, how, how theft will increase dramatically because people have nothing. Yeah. Yeah, time will tell, I'm sure. So given that um, history does tell us that in the aftermath of, of an economic crash, there is going to be, I guess, an uh, increase in theft, my question to Mark Boyd is how are you going to try and combat that? Um, look, I th- yeah, it's a good question. I think we'd have to take it on a store-by-store case-by-case basis and we'll go back to, you know, slowly go back to our, um, you know, correct levels of staffing um, as people start to come back um, to see how that goes and and put our sort of um, current strategies in place. Um, We're actually starting our stop tape program up again in two weeks' time, so that will actually tell us, um, you know, if we've seen an increase in shrinkage, I guess, from that perspective. Um, I, I, one of the things we have done at the moment is um, with the, you know, the social distancing and the amount of people allowed in store, we've closed entrances down. Um, if you've got a two-entrance store, we've closed the um, the textile entrance down if there is one. Um, and then we've used barriers to blockade off the, the entrance to footwear, and then we've obviously counted people in and out. But I think that's had a had an impact on us controlling some of our losses because if we do get any thefts, a lot of it is, is product stolen from the textile side of the store and running out of it. So that's what helped us helped us um, control it a little bit. Um, the, the guarding company that we're using, um, we've now requested that they wear body cameras and that they're in high-vis vests um, with the body camera clearly clearly marked and then we've changed our signage in the store to say that the you know you survey the cease to be surveillance plus body camera footage to be able then to hopefully that will deter a few more people so we've done sort of those measures to start with mm-hmm. um and as well as our sort of normal uh i say normal measures as well with our you know uh, what we currently do in store and uh, as i say again we start once we start our stock taking program up again well, i guess we'll have a clearer picture of um how how it's affected us and glenn what sort of things are you going to do to put in place uh to make sure that we we don't see that uh high shrink or high theft carry-ons in stores yeah, I don't think it's about reinventing the wheel. It's about um, building on the strategies that we've already got in place, and, and I'm, I'm comfortable and confident in what we've got at the moment. Um, like Mark said, um, you know, we have been uh, for the last six weeks um, managing the the customers that are coming into our store. So we have um, made it, you know, one door in, one door out. There is a there is a greeter um, at the door, be it a staff member or security guard that is that is making contact um, and speaking to every customer as they come in. So just stripping it right back to the basics and I think that's played a, a key role in um, in reducing the theft that we've seen over this period. Um, so I think it's about reaching out and connecting with our retailers um, and getting their engagement around, look, some of those simple things that we've had in play around customer service um, will hold us in good stead going forward. 
Um, and if we can build on that and make them aware um, and extend on that, I think that that'll help us. Um, I also think there's a, there's an opportunity there to um, to work collaboratively with other retailers and with the police. So um, we've already been having conversations with the police around what things are going to look like post COVID and um, sort of uh, what their response is and um, what resources are going to make available to us. So I think there are some conversations that that need to be had. Um, and then further to that, um, you know the technology that we've got in play, you know, looking at potentially how we can we can build on that post-COVID as well. So that, are there any um, additional solutions that you're going to deploy across your fleet or to high-risk stores to assist in maintaining low shrinkage? Oh, look, we'll be um, trying to fast forward and look very, very closely at sort of artificial intelligence. Um, look, I'm confident in some of the, the, the CCTV platform that we've got in play. Um, so the strategy we put in play for that you know, probably four or five years ago um, is is holding us in, in a good position for us to be able to build on that. So um, that'll be something that we'll be or that we have been looking at and we'll be hoping to, um, to fast forward some of the technology once we come out of this. What about you, Mark Boyd? Are you are there any other solutions, any extra things that you're going to deploy? No, I mean um, not not immediately. I think what we I think as as um, Glenn has said, the, the, the challenge is going to be. I think once everything goes back to, if you want to call it the new normal, as in stores are fully reopened, um, you know, we're not counting people in and out, we're not controlling entrances and things like that. That's when I think you're going to see the the increase in crime. And in the moment, if we if we if we're counting people in and out stores, and we're only allowed to 50, 60 people in the store. Um, you, you're only controlling one entrance, so you've got a guard on the front, um, et cetera, et cetera. I can't see much room for you know theft as in stealing of product you might see some uh, you know what we have seen is an increase in internet fraud and, and online fraud that's where i think you're going to see the organization come in is online or credit card or you know certainly with i think the banks um did something with um yeah increasing tap and go payments uh, and things like that that's where i think we'll see the fraud not in theft theft as in theft of product personally but um look we've looked at a few things um you know pause cameras um but these are things that are you know things that we're looking forward to in the long term not just to to make a knee-jerk reaction to to the current crisis if that makes sense yeah, absolutely. And Mark Gentle, uh, looking into the crystal ball into the future, do you think that long gone are the days of the big wide open entrances that we see in in some of the retail verticals? Well, I think I think it, it comes comes back to what we were saying earlier is that why why we adjust um, to to reopen our lives um, with the virus. We, we are going to have to do things differently. And I, I think we, we're going to have to ensure that um, it's easy for people to, to enter and exit a shopping centre or, or, or a shop. But we've also got to be mindful as well that we may need to put additional controls in before people enter a store. So I think in the short term, yes, um, until there's a, a vaccine or until there's um, medical help that can combat this, I think we'll, we'll have to adjust. And Glenn, what do you think about the visual presence of loss prevention or um, guards at this point of time? Is that is that an important aspect, just to have that visual deterrent there? 
Oh, that's been huge for us. Um, so like I said previously, that um, be it a guard or be it additional staff members, but just that ability to um, to talk to each individual customer as they enter and exit the store, um, that, that is hugely significant in, um, in us not increasing our theft. So um, who knows how this is going to continue you know, as we go through the levels and, and, and how long we're going to have to restrict customer access. But um, as, as long as we do, um, that role is going to be huge significant um, for us and for other retailers. And Mark uh, Boyd, for you, with regards to having the guards and if you have seen an increase in violence within the stores, um, having those that visual deterrent there, is that made a significant difference or it's made a bit of a difference? Oh, it's made, it's made a huge difference. The um, stores, um, you know, when, in the early sort of part of the the first sort of two or three weeks of the the lockdown or close down here, the you know we were down to just um, contracted team members, and then you're running stores with, with you know very um, not as you know many, as many team members, and that puts them at, itself at risk. And uh, in those early days where we did have a lot of um, um, theft, uh, sorry, violent and threatening behaviour. Yeah, the guard was just the, 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 what he does for the store's morale is amazing, and um, it just shows it sort of demonstrated the team. I oh, think thankfully someone's helping us, someone's supporting us, um, and, and that human side of it as well. I think works as well as having the from a profit protection side, the big sort of guy on the front door with the yellow vest with security plastered over it, um, so people visually see that we've got some kind of control on it but the, the what it does to the store teams in terms of morale is is um is is huge and so going forward will you use a mix of coverts and uniform oh look I, I i'm not a fan of coverts to be honest um i i i prefer um you know the visual deterrent myself um and and that's something we sort of my, my personal preference and i think we continue with the the high vis um um approach with the with the body camera on it the signage at the front and doing everything we can to, can to prevent this thing happening in the first place um and then obviously if something does happen that the guard is there to be able to to defuse the situation or to deal with it appropriately glenn are you using coverts in new zealand Yes, we are. And, and looking for us going forward, I, I think there is a place for for both uh, in our business. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the um, of the uniform guard. Um, Based on what I spoke about before, because of the deterrence they're having, um, but I'm also mindful that there's there is a there is a role for the coverts. Um, but I think it's around them um, now because we don't know what it's going to look like. So it's about them um, sort of being a bit smarter. Um, really want to focus on those those top offenders, so those recidivist offenders that are potentially causing us the, the most problem, um, and just um, sort of doing we'll be doing more with less. So um, so we definitely need to be smarter and um, and looking at what the trends are. Um, as, as we move out of this, this COVID pandemic. So, Glenn, how have other departments within your business been supporting loss prevention during these sort of crucial six to eight weeks um, and then, you know, with stores going back to the new normal? Yeah, well, listen, uh, like the first first couple of weeks, um, loss prevention, um, I wouldn't say it took a back seat, but there were other priorities. Um, so, you know, we were seen as an essential service and, and our role was to was to get the food, you know, feed the communities. Um, and the demand that we saw in our stores was um, 
uh, we haven't seen the, the like of it before. So um, whilst we still had loss prevention functioning, um, it wasn't a priority, So um, and quite rightly so. Um, but now as, we, as we've moved through it um, and we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel and we're, we're planning ahead, then um, loss prevention is becoming becoming more important. Um, and other areas of the business are seeing that now and um, are sort of seeing you know, potentially what could happen as we move forward and, and how loss prevention is going to play a role in that. Um, so, yeah, so we're having some good engagement with it, with those other areas of the business um, around um, how we're going to look uh, three months, six months, 12 months, 12 months down the track. And Mark Boyd, what's been loss prevention's um, role during this for, for your business? Oh, I totally agree with Glenn. It's, it's been a supporting role. I think the real heroes in our business are the retail teams. What they've had to deal with and the problems that they've had to face has been, you know, as you say, unprecedented. It's it's been we've been a crutch for the retail teams. We've we've just been there for them um, to support them as much as we can. And we've been, you know, we've even been in stores working on the on the front door. We've been selling shoes for them. We've been doing anything we can do to help support the teams. We've been doing, um, and I think you know, as Glenn says, as we sort of move out of it uh, out of it, then we will, you know, we're going back to more traditional role, but. Um, I certainly think we've been more of a, a, a support and a, uh, than we have been on the front line, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mark Gentle, you deal with um, a fair bit of business in Europe, UK and the US. So I'm just wondering if you if you can share what you've been hearing from your colleagues um, on the ground there and, how, and what they're saying retail or how retail is going to come out of this. Um. I, there's a, there's a, there's a few areas there. I, th- I think the the starting point, um, the the feedback I'm getting from all of the countries around the world is the the magnitude of the increase on online sales, mm-hmm. and that's that's causing other other concerns. So every every country around the world has um, seen such a big increase that the the logistics side has now fallen down. So where we were used to, you know, things being delivered next day or same day or the day after um, people have been waiting a week or two weeks for certain for certain products but some of the some of the areas that people have been or some of the retailers that we've been talking to overseas their concern as they re they reopen is with the returns because of their their online sales have been so strong so how do they how do they handle those returns as they start to open up stores um some of the apparel retailers are concerned with the the fitting rooms what what do they do with fitting rooms going forward so i think the a lot of a lot of the feedback we're getting is more questions and the 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 questions really come back to very similar to what mark and glenn are saying is ensuring we we create a safe environment just not just for us as we as we go into the store but for the people working in the store as well so I, it's it's really every everybody's been asking the the same questions. How do we make sure we've got the right number of people in the store? How do we ensure they've got the right level of customer service? And we, we're seeing that in in Australia and New Zealand now. When you when you go into a supermarket, the customer service on the front of the store now is is quite incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, with people wiping down the trolley before you take it or the basket. Or you go into some stores and there's someone there to greet you. So those levels of customer service will definitely have a huge impact on reducing theft. Mm. 
Um, Mark Boyd, given the fact that you've got some, uh, you know, we talk about fitting rooms and uh, returns and you and I were talking about this the other day, is, is there any, will there be any change of policy or procedure for returns for your business or any any of the other retailers that you've been talking to over the past couple of weeks? Uh, look, I think, I think we've, you've got to look at the, um, uh, each country, I think, or each market needs to look at the data that's coming out from the, from the government and, um, you know, what, what's the infection rate? What's, you know, what's all that going on? And I think that's where you need to base your decisions on. We, we haven't done anything different. In the early days, we closed all our fitting rooms, um, until we, until we really understood what was going on. Um, and then recently we, you know, our fitting rooms are open. People are trying stuff on and, and we're not treating it really any differently as far as I can tell. Um, Online returns are still going back to the warehouse and still being processed. Yes, the team are wearing gloves, um, you know, and the sanitizers, the masks if they wish to, and and and, uh, and the sort of normal sort of protection equipment. But we haven't done anything differently, and I think that's because if you look at the, you know, Mark will probably hopefully have um, some more accurate stats than, than either of what I can see, you know, and, and certainly with New Zealand as well. They're they're. Um, you know they've they've come out with this probably one of the best countries in the world for dealing with the crisis. So I think I think we've we've um, if the government said you know you need to you can live on clothing forever then we, yes we would. But I think at the minute um, we 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 haven't done anything different to what we would normally do. We've extended some uh, extended the time people have to bring back returns, obviously, um, but that's about it at the moment. Yeah, I'm not. Is anyone else hearing anything about returns policies changing, either locally or globally? Glenn, are you, are you hearing anything? No, I haven't, haven't heard anything different to what um, Mark was talking to. Mark Gentle, is, have you heard of any other retailers at a global level that are changing their policies? Um, so, so I think it's not so much changing their policies. It's more about um, there's this concern that there could be an influx of returns because stores have been closed for, you know, so some of the stores in Italy have been closed nearly three months. So they've been trading online. How do they cope if they get a surge of returns? Because obviously the returns through the normal process has been delayed significantly. So I think it's more the questions, what, as we reopen, will this affect us? Um, will, will we see a surge? You know, do we, do we run it through the stores or do we try to segregate that and run that via into a DC? So I think it's more, what we're seeing is more open questions. And I, I think it's, I mean, Mark makes a good point about the, the infection rates that drives the activity within a country. So the talking to the team in Italy and especially in Northern Italy, they're, some of the local uh, governments in the area are, are pushing hard for mandatory temperature controls before you enter a shopping centre or before you enter into a, a larger store. So I do think a lot of what we see is going to be dependent on the situation within the country. Yeah. And at the moment, we're fortunate. Yeah, Between Australia and New Zealand, we're pretty fortunate. Yeah, and it's it's kind of hard because the last time we had an incident like this was, what, 100 years ago where things were very different and um, it's hard because what is world's best practice? Who, No one's leading that at the moment because no one knows what that is, which is difficult. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I think the, what, what, I'm, what I'm hoping from all of this is that we can – 
we can get stronger communication for what what is best practice to to what works and what doesn't work and i think part of our role is to is to understand what's what's happening and and these type of forums we're on today and share the information and share the knowledge so that um people are not reinventing the wheel and if things work for their business they can they can adapt and use it if it doesn't they don't need to mm. And I'm hoping that with the stimulus packages that people are getting from their different governments, um, that obviously spending will go up and, and that will be good for the economy, given that, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty flat at the moment or down. Um, Mark Boyd, we were talking about this the other day. You've seen quite a good, your sales have been quite good with people getting their money, suddenly depositing into their bank account and people going out spending. Absolutely, yeah. Our sales have been pretty, you know, been been very good. Um, certainly over the last week or so, um, and we've seen, you know, I guess the government stimulus package is doing, in my opinion, what it was designed to do for people to go out and and spend. And and you know, we've had people um, coming into our stores, uh, one store out west of Sydney. The amount of, you know, they've been having to do continuous cash drops all day because the amount of cash that people are withdrawing from their uh, bank accounts to spend in the stores, even though we are obviously as everyone else is, uh, making trying to encourage people not to spend cash and go cashless. But that's you know, it's not always an easy thing to do. Um, and we're not, and we can't afford at these day, days to, to to decline cash. So they're doing um, cash lifts couple of times a day because of the amount of cash coming through so we've seen some excellent sales um um and not not just not just recently but actually we haven't done too badly throughout the whole entire crisis the first few weeks were a bit ropey but other than that um we've actually been quite you know i guess it just shows how robust some certain businesses are and we've come out of it reasonably well or quite well on the other side so i i I think what we probably need to look at is what's going to happen in september october time when all of these stimulus packages end um and the people then go back to you know how are they having no job or um, a normal income um as well and 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 does that mean that christmas is going to be uh, an issue for for a lot of retailers yeah good point because we're we're sort of looking short term at the moment, but yeah, it's that long term, uh, which really could be where retail is affected. Yeah, I think so, and I think it, you know, same with the crime stuff. You know, maybe, you know, as Glenn has, has said as well, we, we're all we're all controlling our entrances and exits at the moment, so the risk of theft is is reasonably low. Um, but as Mark also said, you know, I can say testify as well. On our glue side, we've seen a lot of incre- massive increase in internet fraud um, as well. So, it, you know, I think the organised fraud or crime is going to move significantly, or we would have seen. A, and I, spe- I suspect that's the same for the world. Now everyone's been closed; their internet fraud has gone through the roof, um, and, and obviously the store stores have not. But I think we should be looking or thinking about what's going to happen. September, October, November time. Once, if and when we go back to, you know, as, as normal as we can get, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, you've made it to the final countdown. The last three questions. I will start with you, Mark Gentle. If you could look into a crystal ball and know this was going to happen, how would you prepare for it? Oh, would have been in lockdown straight away. <laughs> 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 so, 
I, I don't think you could ever prepare for this. How would we, if you'd have told me this was going to happen, I would not have been able to fathom that this was going to occur. So, so if it happens again in three years' time, let's say. I'd be a disaster. <laughs> disaster. Um, <laughs> Oh, um, no, I look if I if, if we could crystal ball what, what what I'm if we take and there's always some some positives out of all of these things the with everything that we everyone's trying to do from a health perspective there's a there's a good point that um, the flu season will not be so bad because people are washing their hands and they're, they're careful with their hygiene so the I, I think if anything that if we were crystal balling on this, I think it's it's this is this has caused us to focus. I think as people about what is important, um, and I also think it's caused us to reassess a little bit about how we operate and how we go about our day to day as well. So I, I can't answer that question, Nicole. If, if it happens in three years, I just can't get my head around that. Um, <laughs> But, but I, you should I, be right now. You've got Zoom meetings and Teams meetings. You won't need to travel as much as what you used to. No, that's very, very true. But I can't stay at home because I just keep eating. So we've, we've got to get we've got to, we've got to get balance. They'll <laughs> <laughs> be, be rolling me out soon. I'll be in trouble. <laughs> Mark Boyd, if you had a crystal ball and you knew now what you know, how would you prepare for this type of situation? Oh, look, if it's, as Mark said, I, I don't think you can really fully prepare for any situation. But I think one thing springs to mind is communications and having a clear comms pack ready so people knew um, straight away what it is that you were doing and how you were doing it and what it needed to be done by. And I think a lot of our teams and certainly in the early days, you know, you're sat at home and um, you're waiting to find out whether you're stood down, whether you're working, whether you're not working, and that sort of uncertainty isn't great. So I think having some kind of clear communications packs and, and clear line of communication is would be something I think we we would have learned from in our being in our position. Mm-hmm. Glenn, what about you? Yeah, I tend to agree. So I, I don't think you'd ever predicted this um, if you if, if you tried. So for me, it's about um, looking to what we've done in the past um, and learning from that. So, you know, we've all experienced, or we have here, we've experienced, you know, earthquakes, terror attacks, and you guys in Australia have had the bushfires and all that. So it's about, you know, what we what we did well then and, and sort of building on that and sort of increasing our resilience and, and adaptability. Um, look, we're not going to get it right 100% of the time, but as long as we're learning um, from what we've done in the past, I think it will, you know, stand us in good stead for what we're trying to do in the future, um, and just make sure that we're constantly sort of reassessing our um, our continu- continuity and, and crisis plans, and just making sure they're relevant, um, you know, rather than dusting them off the shelves after five years. Just making sure they're still relevant to the to the risks that are out there um, in the world at the moment. Yeah, I guess now we'll see a lot of business, you know, even if it's once a year, sitting down with, you know, some key members of their staff going, right, what it, what if, what if, what are we going to do if this happens? What are, you know, and making sure that there is a plan of attack for whatever potentially might come out of the blue next time. Hopefully, hopefully it's, you know, in the next hundred years when we don't have to go through it all again. Mark Gentle, what's the most important thing you've learnt from going through this pandemic? Um, 
Mark touched on the communication piece. I think it's about the the team coming together and the team being adaptable to the changes that have occurred that also then drives what we can do to support and help others. Mm-hmm. Mark Boyd, what have you learnt from this? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. I've learnt how you know, how vital our retail teams are and, and sometimes how fragile uh, they can be. And I think the other thing I've learnt is um, – how well people can adapt to things very quickly and some people can't um, and have struggled um, professionally and sometimes even personally to be able to deal with what's been asked of them and what we're doing out in the store. So it's sort of – you sort of see people's, I don't say true colours is the word I'm looking for, but that's if that's what you – is what I'm getting at is how how some people have reacted really well to – do it and some people haven't and that's what I've, I think one of the biggest things I've learned from it. Mm-hmm. And Glenn? Yeah, yeah, look, I, I've, I, same sort of thoughts. Um, I'm incredibly proud of how of all areas of our business in particular have come together. Um, you know, it's in times of crisis that you see this and it's, you know, the, the rolling up the sleeves and getting things done, that sort of can-do attitude. Um, so I'm immensely proud of that um, and incredibly proud of, of our frontline staff. You know, just some of the, the stories that I've heard um, and the way they've, um, the professional manner in which they've acted is, um, is just incredible. But um, yeah, I, I think good comms is, is essential. Um, and, you know, to both external and internal parties, um, the adaptability and flexibility. A lot of people are scared of change, but I think we've shown um, through this pandemic that, um, you know, having to adapt to is, is um, guidelines and restrictions change, you know, hour by hour. Um, the ability to change on the fly has been essential to our business uh, continuing to operate. I agree 100%. And lastly, Mark Gentle, what's your advice for loss prevention teams getting them back on track? Um, the is to me it's about the having the right the right plan in place is is keeping the keeping the focus um, and that that scenario being adaptable as circumstances change because the we're all going to have to continually change over the next twelve to eighteen months. So to me, whether it's loss prevention whether it's people supporting loss prevention, we've all got to be adaptable and we've all got to change as circumstances occur. And Mark Boyd, how yeah, are you I, LP back on track? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I think it's trying to get back to uh, day-to-day normal stuff as, as reasonably as quickly as, as possible without um, uh, upsetting the apple cart too much, I think, is trying to... Um, uh, get back into the swing of things and 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 the the new getting used to the new normal. I think the old new normal. We love that term, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> and Glenn, <laughs> Glenn, your advice for LP getting them back on track. Yeah, I think it's just about us being smart um, with the new challenges that, you know, potentially we're going to be faced with. Um, look, I, I agree. I think it'll be back to, to basics, um, but there might also be some some new risks that uh, are out there for us that we need to uh, challenge ourselves with. So it's about keeping um, 
yeah, keeping an eye on what's happening, looking at the bigger picture, um, and potentially like new ways of working um, and new ways of, of talking, communicating with each other. Um, but I, I'm a big one for us, um, you know, the, the word collaboration. We've been using a lot of these words today, um, but just collaborating um, with our internal partners and with, with other retailers. Um, you know, we all have less resources, so where we can pull together, um, I think we can we can all come together and um, and make a dent on um you know, potentially this theft issue that we might be facing um, in the next six to 12 months. Great advice, guys. Thanks very much for that. So, gentlemen, thank you for giving up your time today and talking to me about what you're seeing in the market, specifically in Australia and New Zealand and, uh, and Mark, on a broader extent uh, overseas. I really appreciate the time that you've, you've spent and the advice that you've given, and I'm sure our listeners will too. Um, for everyone listening, we do hope that your families are well and safe and our thoughts are with all people that have been directly affected by COVID-19. If you'd like to get in touch with Mark, Glenn or Mark, you can find them on LinkedIn or you can email them at the PPFF website. You can subscribe to this weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify and there's a link to download episodes and show notes on the PPFF website. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Profit Protection Future Forum. It's written and produced by myself, Nicole Smith, and Manu Prasanna, and is kindly hosted by Wooshka. In the next episode of Retail's Conversations with Profit Protection, we will be going back to our normal schedule and talking to loss prevention professionals from all over the world. I hope you can join me so we can keep talking all things profit protection. Thanks for listening to Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to find out more about the Profit Protection Future Forum, head to ProfitProtection.co or find us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message on info at ProfitProtection.co with feedback on our show.